0: I'm, I'm going to do, do a Mac Brown dance here. I'll tell you the <laughs> truth. That's just great. Uh, you can, I don't know if you can see me, but I'm actually moving back here a little bit behind the pulpit. Because sometimes the Lord just makes you move. He wants you to go somewhere and do something. He'll stir your heart. I know people say, well, people can get all excited at games when I get excited at church. I get excited at both. I enjoy what God is doing because I am a disciple of the King. I follow Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. We find in Luke the 14th chapter this great scripture where Jesus is laying down the rules of the game, the cost of membership. You are part of a holy nation, a people called by God. And these are the parts that we must follow to be disciples of Jesus and what the cost of discipleship is. Scripture reads, now large crowds were traveling with him and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. During our Old Testament reading today from Jeremiah the 18th chapter, it took me back to years ago when I first started the ministry in 1985. My father had asked me to preach I had said well maybe sometime and I kept putting it off but he finally got me to preach and it was at the little church of Arapaho on the coast of North Carolina. And I chose this scripture Jeremiah the 18th chapter about the potter and the clay and how God makes us into the way that he wants us to be. And the old self is put away and the new self is claimed. As I heard these words from Theresa today about how God is remaking us. I remembered how so many years ago that was the scripture that launched my ministry. In fact, it was in that pulpit that very Sunday I received a call to preach. And since that time, I have preached almost 35,000 sermons. <laughs> I have preached from here on in the beautiful place in North Carolina, these beautiful sand hills to the coast, to the mountains, To Chicago to California I preached in the mountains of West Virginia I preached all over I traveled and preached and shared the word of Jesus Christ and I do so because I am called I am a disciple of Jesus the Christ what does it mean to be a disciple well we're going to look at this scripture by scripture start at this 25th verse now large crowds were traveling with him and he turned to them and he said to them whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children brothers and sisters, yes even their own life cannot be my disciple, now this is hard but we have to realize in the gospel of Luke Jesus makes it real clear that this isn't a gimme this isn't an easy thing that we're in faith Uh, is one that It it demands that we follow a certain discipline, that we practice, and we practice what we preach. So discipleship isn't just the state of mind where I will say, I think I'm a disciple. It's a state of being. When you're a disciple, it's expected you pray. When you're a disciple, it's expected you attend church. When you're a disciple, it's expected you give to the kingdom's work. When your disciple is expected, you love. This isn't a question. This isn't a matter of negotiation. Christ makes it very clear. And he says that in the scripture. It's a very hard scripture. Whoever comes to me, which means they want to be a disciple, and does not hate. Now, I looked up the word hate to refresh my memory of the Greek there for hate. And the hate there means literally not looking with favor upon. In other words, we need to know the way it really works. And the way it really works is that our loving God comes first as a disciple, even before our love for each other. In other words, we have to have our priorities straight. That even though we love our spouse, we love our children, we love our parents, we love our family, we love our friends, we need to know what Jesus is saying here. In fact, Luke makes it really clear all throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus basically makes it where we have to realize being a disciple requires total commitment. And here he's saying you can't put your father ahead of the kingdom. You can't put your mother ahead of the kingdom or your wife or your children. There's no excuses for you putting anything in front of me in your life. So God is saying I am number one in your life if you want to be my disciple. And this is the hard choice that some people, they don't want to hear this and they'll turn away from the gospel because they want to have it their way instead of God's way. Now, why is God wanting this and he's demanding this attention? The reason is we can never know the love of God and the grace of God and we can never really love those that we love until we love Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Yes, even life itself, you cannot be my disciple. Till you know I come first. And that's what happened in that pulpit at Arapaho that day. I was newly married to Leona. She had a job teaching. I had a job working in Jones's department store. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. I was a manager trainee. Isn't that something? I had a, I had a tag. Manager trainee. Had my name on it, too. I was very proud of that. I'd walk around. My tag. And here I am and I'm standing in that pulpit and suddenly God gets a hold of me and I realize I love Leona more than the- life itself and I'm so happy that, that she would find favor with me to be my wife and, and here we are and we're young and, and we're just out of college and I had everything set up and I was going to do things and had my mind made up I'd have this and i have that and all the material things and God got a hold of me and I realized and I even said in that pulpit that day I love her but that is not enough for my salvation and enough for what God demands of me and I said I love my daddy and my mama who were sitting. Sitting in the first pew there at Arapahoe. I said, "I love you, but that's not enough. God is demanding; He comes first in my life. He is number one. Nobody else, no one else, nothing else comes first except Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying here in the Scripture." To understand that discipleship is not just where you kind of get involved. It's a membership. We're not talking about the membership. We're talking about a life commitment, a soul commitment. Let's go to the next verse. And whoever does not carry the cross. This has been the big one this week. And follow me, cannot be my disciple. Now this is odd. He's mentioning the cross even before there is a cross. They don't even know what he's talking about. They have no idea the way he's going to die. They don't realize that he is going to die on a cross. He talks about a cross, and at that point, the cross was used as an instrument of execution. It's like an electric chair. Isn't that funny? How our faith has the image of a form of uh, just of execution as a symbol. That'd be like me walking around with a necklace with an electric chair on it. Isn't that something? But to us, the, well, the cross doesn't represent the end of life. It represents the beginning. It represents hope, not hopelessness. And Jesus here is saying that we have to carry the cross. Now, in Bible study, last, uh, this one we had it last Wednesday night, it was a great point that was made by Miss Michael Lilly that this isn't carrying the cross of Jesus. This is carrying our cross. How many in here got a cross to carry? Raise your hand. Come on now, don't be shy. I know it's heavy. I know it's a burden. You may wonder, well, what kind of cross is a preacher talking about? That loved one that's not getting better? The one that you care about is struggling? That child that you're worried about? That relationship that you don't know? I mean, the cross is the burden of life because life has burdens. It definitely has burdens. (laughs) Oh, that's what I told people that Sunday in that uh, pulpit. I said, I should be the happiest man on earth, yet I'm not. I said, it's not about the love. It's not about the love that I have. There's something more that's needed, and it's not my love. It's the love of God I need. I need God's love in my life. I need you, Lord. See, the cross helps us to see what we truly need. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. This society is is, is in bad shape. It's broken. It's in pieces. People are angry. They're hurting. What it needs is Jesus. It needs love and it needs compassion. It needs hope. It needs the power of the cross. It needs a church that will stand up and speak the truth instead of hiding behind hiding behind what it says is right and wrong and get down to what it's really about. Is your soul saved? Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? What is it that you're carrying today? God can take it from you. And that's what he did that day when I left Arapahoe, got into the car. I told Leon, I said, "Uh oh!" I said, "God got me." I said, "Get ready, get ready to pack the boxes. We're about to go hit the road." And Lord, He sent us to the Sand Hills, sent us to Windblow. How many know where Windblow is? Windblow, it's over there. We go. Uh, Windblow's in the middle of Peachtree Country over there, next to West End and Canton. Or I guess, can't, I can't even remember the name of it. It's Ellerby somewhere over in that area. And so Windblow is in, in, in this place that there's no McDonald's or Hardee's within 20 miles. That's how I reference where a place is. I, I, I referenced the restaurant. <laughs> um, and, and there was no food around there. And I'm going, oh, Lord, I can't make it in this place. They, and they dropped us off in this big old parsonage, me and Leona. And there were rattlesnakes in the basement. They were, and they left long skins, and they were bad rattlers, too. And, uh, uh, but they never bothered us. Leona come up the steps one day from the laundry that was down there, and she said, what makes that noise like? And I said, oh, my Lord, have mercy. It's a snake. <laughs> but you don't, there's no way you're scared of snakes, right? You're not scared of snakes. I'm terrified of snakes. Me and a snake, we don't get along. I go the other way. Because evil's out there trying to get us, waiting at our door. See, the cross we carry is the burden we have to carry. And Jesus is saying that you've got to face your own pain to know me. You have to know who you are in your suffering, your sorrow, so you can know how much I'm going to help you. You don't need to be denying what's really going on. If you're having it tough, you need to face up to it and say, Lord, it's hard right now. I don't know. And the Lord would say, that's good to know that. We can do something about it. And follow me to be my disciple. Let's go to the next verse. We're getting now to the point of having the rules set in place. How many of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost See whether he has enough to complete it. In other words, when you engage this discipleship of Jesus Christ, it's not for a certain season. It is for your entire life. Now, some here came to Jesus as a young child. I knew God as a young child. I didn't come to Jesus until I was at a campfire at Camp Rockfish. (laughs) Me and the boys were sitting around the campfire and we were talking about spiritual things. And suddenly it dawned on me that Jesus loved me, and I felt a warmth i never felt before. And, and it got a hold of me, and I knew I loved him, and he loved me. And I come home saved, and I told Daddy I knew Jesus, and I was saved. Now, others uh, came to know Jesus when they were young, in Sunday school. And some, uh, they came to know Jesus later in their life. See, see, our call is to realize that once you come into this relationship It becomes a lifelong relationship. And me and Jesus, oh, we got something going, don't we? Me and Jesus, wow, he has, Lord, he has helped me through some hard times. Me and him sat there with Hurricane Irene rolling through the Outer Banks. And and it was me and him and everybody on wine cheese. And, And I was scared. The family had come inland. And I'm facing this storm with the water rising. You saw what it did in Ocracoke. That sea is much bigger than I am. And I'm saying, Lord, get me through this. And the house is shaking. The water is rising. I'm saying, Lord, it's me and you. You got to get me through this. And he got me through. He got me through it through all the other times of my life when I made the journeys that I did not want to make, the times I've been with church members through the last moments of life. Jesus has been with me through it all. Every time I go, he's been with me through it all. The other day, seeing Miss K, he was with me going up there through Raleigh to go through that traffic to go meet her and be with her in this time. See, Jesus has been with us through it all. He was happy last night. He was doing a Mac Brown dance last night after that freshman quarterback. He threw that touchdown. I was so happy. It's amazing how a little game of sports can make a human being so happy. I like being happy because Jesus, he makes it possible. See, this is a relationship that has dividend. This is a relationship that he is saying that if you sit down and figure the cost, now what is the cost of discipleship? Is it material cost? Did you know that our Father is the richest of all? Our Father is the richest of all. So what do we got to worry about? We can't make it. It's no way. Make the bills. We can't make it. We can't make the payments. We can't do it. Our Father is the richest of all. He made it all. (laughs) And all through my life, every time I've ever had a moment that has been tight and it's been tough, and I've wondered how we were going to make it because of this circumstance or that circumstance, out of left field came something I never expected. A check in the mail, a hug, a handshake with a dollar bill. I'm not just talking about money either. I'm talking about moments that my heart's been broken. And believe me, my heart's been broken many times and yours has too. We just don't want to face it. And it's not because a team wins or loses. It's because we face things in life that are hard truths that we don't want to deal with. That church is still there, Arapahoes. It's still serving the kingdom, but the day will never happen on this earth that I will be in a place that my mother and father will sit because they have gone on to be with Jesus. And I tell you, I still deal with that like you deal with that. It's not easy. So you better cling to what you got right now because you're not guaranteed you're going to have it tomorrow. You better love the ones that love you right now because you may not have them tomorrow. Do not count on things that you cannot count on. Know the cost. But Jesus is saying, when you believe in me, you believe in something more than tomorrow. You believe in eternity. So nothing can separate us from the love of God. See, the completion is the journey where we just fall into his arms. We're not going to march into the kingdom on our own power. Not going to come in there saying, Lord, where do I go? Where's my room? (laughs) We're just going to fall into his arms. He's going to say, there you are. Come on, come on, come on. And we're going to run to him. We're just going to collapse into his arms. And he's going to lift us up. And he's going to take us to that room. And he's going to say, now you get your rest. And when you get up, you get ready because you're going to sing a lot. (laughs) And now we're going to get down to the real business of life. You thought what you had was the real business. This ain't the real business. You honestly think this is the real business? Why would God give you love and then take it away? You think this is the real business? Why would God give you hope and take it away? You think this is the real business? You think you build a house here and it's going to last? How many houses have been built that have fallen down around us? This is temporary, people. This is just a place marker, a bookmark in the book of life. This is just a moment on the eternal quest of the truth of knowing the presence of God. Don't you realize this is just a a flash? And you start to realize that the older you get, the more you see your life. And you realize that things, I had this realization the other morning. I woke up the other morning at 5.55. I've been having a weird thing with clocks lately, kids. I wake up, I see things at certain day, times of the day, 3.33, 5.55, but I woke up at 5.55 and I had this overwhelming feeling that the only thing that's constant is love. Because family changes, our idea of self changes, our world changes, everything is changing. But the only thing that remains constant is love. And it, it just filled my heart with so much joy the other morning at 5.55. I wake up and I'm going through the house going, I, this is good. See, see, love is all I need. Not just a Beatles song. Love is all I need. The completed is to fall into the arms of Jesus. Let's go to the next verse. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish... All who see it will begin to ridicule him. Jesus is telling us how many lives are spent for the wrong purposes, the wrong reasons. I can tell you, I've been around people who have built their lives on sinking sand. They have built their foundations on wealth, fame, on notoriety, on vanity, on all the things. And I can tell you, it gets you nothing. It means nothing. Nothing more pitiful than somebody looking at their high school glory is the only glory they're ever going to have in their life. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I wanted to go back over there. When you said like a Trojan, we were the Trojans at Harnett Central. Y'all, the eagles over here, you know, the eagles. And that's a beautiful image, but we were the Trojans. That'd be like me riding back over there to the school and getting on my you know, Letterman jacket. I still got it. I still got Leona hid it away somewhere. I don't know where it is, but put on my Letterman jacket. I don't even think I can wear it anymore. And go back over there and try to claim something that never really was anyway. If you ask people, they don't even remember me, Harley. But I'd wear it and I'd go over there and I'd had my Elvis eight track. You know, I had an eight track player in my 73 Pontiac. Any of y'all had eight track players? I had Elvis Presley singing in my eight track. And every time I'd go to school, I'd grease my hair back. You know, people greased their hair back in the 50s. I somehow thought it was 1950 instead of 1970-something. Andrew knows what I'm talking about. He remembers this. Now, he never did it, but I did it. He remembers that. I'd play the music and ride up there and think somehow, sisters and brothers, if our life is no more than a fleeting moment, what really do we have? That is not a foundation to build a life upon. Even Sam Howe and his great quarterbacking, that's not enough to win a game. We have to win at life. And Jesus is saying, when you lay this foundation, you build it to last, not just for a day, but for eternity. So when you have your children, you love your children as if they will always be your children. You build an eternal foundation. You build a house that will withstand the storms of life. No matter what storms come, because they're going to come. (laughs) I've been listening to the candidates, and the candidates are saying the world's going to end in 12 years. Have you been watching this? They're saying the world's going to end in 12 years. If the world ends in 12 years, it ends in 12 years. What's the problem? Who who do you think you are voting for you going to stop this from happening? Has it ever dawned on people that God is in control? He built the very foundations of this world and he's not going to let a rock hit it from space. and He's not going to let us mess it up too much. He's going to hold us accountable for it. We're the caretakers of it. Why are we so confused about the true creator, the foundation And he wants us to finish it. You notice that uh, here in Luke, he's making the point of finishing something. Now, I can tell you, in my life, I've always enjoyed competition, the race. In fact, if you were to step outside with me today, and you start running, I'd, I'd go to catch you. I couldn't do it anymore, but in the old days, I'd have caught you. I'm very competitive. You can ask anybody played any sports with me. I'm very competitive. How many here are competitive? I'm competitive. I don't like to lose. Go ahead and admit it. It's okay to be competitive. There we go. There we go. We got somebody saying they're competitive. If it's monopoly, I'm going to beat you. No matter what it is. It's competitive. Well, Jesus is saying, do you want to win this or do you want to win what's really important? Because this will give you temporary value, but that will give you eternal substance. In other words, to finish it means to know how much he is offering to us. And let's look at that for a minute. What is he offering to us? Well, he's first offering that he loves us. And there's no greater gift than that, the love of God. He's also offering eternal life. Now, that's a big deal (laughs) because uh, we're not given enough time on this earth to do what we need to do. God's saying, you're going to have all the time you need to do what you're called to do. So he's offering us eternal life. He's offering us a place in heaven, his home. So we're offered a place as a child of God. We're offered... A kingdom as a prince would be, the son of a king, that we're able to be who we are and do what God our Father would have us do. He's offering us things that no job has ever offered any person on earth. He's offering us the love of God. See, the foundation that he's asking us to finish is no more than a ladder, a step that gets us to where he wants us to be. Let's look at the next verse, saying this fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish. And see, that's what happens to the earth, is it all falls down. Look at the ruins, they all fall down. Homes fall down, kingdoms fall down, lives fall down. There's pieces, but with God there's not pieces, there's whole Let's go to the next verse. He says, "Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose one who comes against him with 20,000. So what is this about this odd? He's talking about this 10 and 20,000 where somebody double the amount comes against us. Let me share with you how God helps us to deal with overwhelming odds. We led the entire game. And that team with Bing. Is it bling? Is it Bling? Is that what it's called? Bling, like gold, gold chains. That's silly in my book. I, I, I had I had a director once, my boss was a Miami graduate and she was cheerleader and I told her one day, I said, that bling stuff y'all do, I don't, I don't like that. She didn't, she didn't like that. She got mad at me. said, don't be you, you know, bad talking in my school. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't like it. See, it's an idea of bling. Every time they make a tackle, they get that and the whole bit. See, here they are, in Miami come back and took the lead. And, and I'm going, we're not going to win this game. I said, we led this whole game but they, they can't do it. Uh, there's no way they can do it. This is the freshman quarterback. He He's he's scared. He can't do it, and there's no way. And suddenly he hits that pass, and I'm going, oh, my Lord, He's, he's he hit the pass, so like fourth down. And then he hit another pass, and I'm going... He may actually do this thing, and then the seconds are ticking down, and then he throws that pass in the end zone, and the guy makes this great catch, and we score, and I'm going, oh, my Lord, we're going to win the game, and then no sooner than that happens, the Miami drives down again, and they're about to kick a field goal, and I said, they're going to tie it, and they're going to win, we're going to lose, we're going to lose, and they miss it to the left, and I'm jumping up and down going in. Now, wonderful, we won. Uh, See, what do we do when we face overwhelming odds? Our God is able. Our God is able. Little David faced the giant. He was a big man. That's where all those tall NBA players come from, Macedonia area. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Those are the giants, Uh, they're the big, tall NBA players. They come from that genetic group around that area. Every last one of them come from that area in some way because of their height and their strength. And here was Goliath, and he was so he was so large and so little. David faces him, and what does David do? He doesn't run and hide. David does what he knows to do. He's scared off of many a wolf, and he's even killed some that were after his father's sheep. And he reaches down and he grabs the pebbles because he knows that's the weapon that God has given him mastermind. and he uses that and all it takes is that one to hit right between the eyes and that great giant goes down see when he faces the odds of two against one he doesn't see it as a losing opportunity he sees it as a victory that gives God the glory so understand God is able let's go to the next verse If he cannot then, while he's still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So in other words, when we face these obstacles, to understand how God wants us to live our lives and how we are to be as disciples. Let's go to the next verse. And he says, so therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. Wow. Give up all your possessions. How does that work? It works this way. I don't have my children with me, so I can pick on them since they're not here. I take Andrew, and I bring him up, and I stand him here. I take Hannah. I bring her up, even though she's, she's a tough one. And I stand her here. And I take Leanna, if I can find her out there somewhere. And I bring her up, and I stand her here. Now I bring Leona. Now, now I got to ask her very politely because she's the boss. Happy wife, happy life. I heard that the other day. And I come and I say, baby, you just stand right there. And that's just the ones immediately around me. And then I do this. Say, Lord, they're yours. I can't handle them. I'm not worthy of them. They're yours. They belong to you. That's why that scripture in Jeremiah is so important because I was raised not knowing it, but at the very beginning when I was born in 1962, August 24th at 622 in the morning on a Friday that was rainy in Lewisburg, North Carolina. I remember it well. I didn't realize, but my mother and my father Committed me to Jesus. Just like in the book of Jeremiah, even in the womb, I was committed to serve God. They gave me to Jesus. It just took me a while to realize I belonged to Him. So when I was in Arapaho, it wasn't I had a discovery that he needed from me. I have an identity that he wants from me. And he says to each one of us, you belong to me. Let me take care of you. Let me be your Lord. Let me be the one that you realize gives you everything. Because you can never have it till you have Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. All that we have, Lord, we give to you. Now make us into what you would have us be. Let us be the ones that you call us to be as the people of Jesus Christ. Now in the coming days and weeks and months and years, it's going to get tough on the Christian faith. Many people are falling away. They're not turning to the Lord But do not lose heart. God is seeing us through this because something wonderful is happening. Be my disciple. That's what he calls us to be. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may walk in the light of Jesus the Christ and know that all that we have belongs to you. And Lord, all that you have, you will give to us. Give us that love that we need in our lives and give us that strength and power. we need in our lives and Lord give us the hope most of all the hope that we need in our lives bless each one here that we may be the disciple of Jesus the Christ we may walk in his light and in his glory we give you the praise amen amen and our final